Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications connect to more it is a business angle with justin angle from the university of montana business school and justin thanks so much for being with us my man how you doing i'm doing well today how are you doing Coulter? very good I, uh, it's good to have you especially when i am riding solo because i hate talking to myself but i love talking to uh, educated and smart guys like you so tell me this i know that you are uh a professor at the university, but also a big sports fan, particularly of the university's team. So have you been following all the spring action that's been going on? Because right now it seems like pretty much every sport that there is that can be played at Montana besides basketball is being played right now. I know. It's just great to see, you know, our student athletes kind of getting after it. I think that's the biggest kind of takeaway for me. I mean, I was not at either of the, the home football games, but just kind of being on campus, I was in my office Saturday afternoon, um, right around when the game let out. And it's just wonderful to kind of get a glimpse of what a college campus kind of should feel like. People walking around wearing their Grizz gear, happy after a win, students soaking up the college experience. I mean, that that was kind of special to be around. and. Uh, you know, hopefully a, a sign that things are, are going to be even more uh, exciting in the fall. When it comes to that element, I know, I know you probably can't reveal and or confirm too much, but does it feel like uh, as, as maybe we move towards this upcoming fall semester, which in terms of the return of football, first and foremost, but a lot of other factors, seems like it's going to be one of both paramount importance, but also maybe some enthusiasm around the University of Montana campus. But does it feel like Montana's getting back on track just in terms of, you know, tr- trying to... Uh, right the enrollment woes of the last several years? You know, I think so. And I, I, you know, let's take, let's go back to before COVID. I mean, I think of a lot of, a lot of the leading indicators for the, the 2021 academic year were, were quite good. 
until it looked like you know the shutdown was going to continue into the fall and then higher education in general just got got um got hit pretty hard as we've talked about but at that point you know it looked like some of the enrollment indicators are really good and the enrollment indicators we have for this coming fall, I, I think, are, are, are quite positive, you know, and I'm not sort of officially read into any of this data, um, but just looking around, you know, you see a lot of popular press about increased demand for higher education in general. And then if you look at kind of the, you know, the COVID migration, if you want, if you will, you know, people have figured out that Missoula is a desirable place to be, whether they're coming here for remote work or whether they're coming here to study. You know, I think there has been an influx into, into our state, into our city. And those all um, indicate, you know, are strong indicators for, for enrollment. Beyond that, you know, I think one thing that is a, um, it's kind of a side benefit or, you know, a silver lining of the COVID experience has been, you know, institutions aren't really built to change fast, yet uh, last spring we had to change really quickly. We all had to adapt to, to, to COVID and remote learning and innovating and how we package and deliver our curriculum. And um, that's going to have enduring benefits in creating a more agile university that's more poised to respond to the needs of students, the needs of employers, um, and other constituencies. So, yeah, I'm pretty bullish on the future. And, you know, maybe it's just because the sun is out. But, um, you know, being positive is, uh, you know, I think it's a little contagious at the moment. <laughs> it's amazing how uh, after six to eight months of straight gray, what a little sunshine will do for your optimistic attitude. No question about go. it. Justin Engel joining us here on Nuanas. Now it's a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. Do this uh, every other Tuesday here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, transpirings in the wide world of sports. One thing that we don't have the on the outline, but I wanted to ask you about this, Justin, is uh, Alex Rodriguez, uh, former incredibly lucrative and uh, well-earning, and if not for steroids uh, implications, Hall of Fame shortstop, he has now purchased... Um, big shares in both the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Minnesota Lynx. So is, is, is this a story you've tracked? And if so, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think it's of a piece with something we talked about, um, you know, a few weeks ago, LeBron James kind of taking uh, part ownership of the, the ownership group that owns the Red Sox and several other properties. And there was a story out um, just this morning, Dwayne Wade has taken ownership of a, of a pro franchise as well. So, you know, I think we're seeing athletes moving into ownership of franchises. And, you know, I, I, I think to me is what it signals is, is athletes are, are wanting some of the power. Um, and I don't say that in, in, in any kind of negative light. I mean, the, 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 in many ways, the owners are where the power centers are for these organizations. And, you know, athletes are trying to seize some of that control. And, and beyond that, you know, if you think about it, you know, this is of a piece with some other themes that we've talked about in these conversations. You know, what is the sort of content that has you know, unique ability to draw people in at a particular time at a particular place, and that's live sports programming. So beyond just athletes wanting to maybe be part of ownership and control um, the franchises, I think it's a smart investment. It's a, it's a piece, uh, it's a content generation device, you know, a professional sports franchise that has scarcity built in and has unique appeal 
because it is one of the few remaining content assets that is available only when the content creator says it's available. Um, and so I, I think in, in, if you want to be in the media business, I think owning a, a, a sports franchise or is probably a pretty savvy investment. This is really interesting. This is the first part of this uh, outline that you presented to me, but this is fascinating. This this is a report out of the New York Times today. Top European soccer teams form breakaway leagues. So I'm just going to straight up read the first two paragraphs of this because it puts it very concisely and very aptly. And if you don't know... The only franchises on planet Earth that are sports franchises that are worth more than NFL franchises are these big-time European soccer franchises. These are multi-billion dollar franchises. Their asset value is just unbelievable, beyond comprehension, honestly, blowing away any American sport by a long shot. So this is a dateline from London. A dozen of the world's richest and most storied soccer clubs on Sunday announced they had formed a breakaway European club competition that would, if it comes to fruition, upend the structures, economics, and relationships that have bound soccer for nearly a century. After months of secret talks, the breakaway teams, which includes Real Madrid and Barcelona in Spain, Manchester United and Liverpool in England, Juventus and AC Milan in Italy confirmed their plans late Sunday. They said they plan to add at least three more founding members, holding midweek matches that would put the league in direct competition with the existing European Champions League and begin play as soon as practicable. So, Justin, this seems like a big deal. We've talked about this sort of common narrative of how do uh, sports and leagues and etc. earn autonomy. When does an independent entity form its own NCAA tournament? Or you know, what does the future of the NFL look like pertaining to uh, this recent TV deal with Amazon? There's so many different ways that sports are rapidly changing when it comes to uh, individual organizations on all levels finding autonomy. But break this one down for us a little bit more because these teams have a lot of money. What are the advantages and disadvantages of these teams maybe going independent and breaking away from the European Champions League? Well, gosh. You know, and I am not super informed on the structure of European soccer, but it is, it is it is basically the way it works is, you know, each country has its, its federation and teams play a normal schedule within that federation. And they, the better teams uh, that sort of win out of those, of those, uh, you know, those country leagues are able to compete in the champions league across Europe for sort of a, a champion of Europe. So it's sort of the champions championship. And that's been a model for, you know, quite a long time. And, you know, these teams, the Real Madrids, the Barcelonas, the Manchester Uniteds, I mean, those are like, like you mentioned before, they're like the New York Yankees sort of profile franchises. And those teams, they don't want to play these, you know, small-time regular season games with small market teams that um, kind of just interrupt their schedule, right? They'd rather play each other they'd rather be able and the owners i'm sure would rather be able to put like a you know a blockbuster matchup on the calendar every week and interesting thing to me is like one of those british teams manchester united liverpool arsenal they have american ownership or partial american ownership and you know, the design of this Super League had some similarity to the National Football League style of structure. You know, a, a smaller number of teams, a closed network, a smaller number of games, trying to create, you know, more blockbuster events with scare, with scarcity, right? And, the, you know, overall, it seems like this is a big kind of power play. 
And what we saw today, and this reporting just came online just before we got on the phone, Coulter, is that it appears the deal is maybe falling apart. Uh, Manchester City, one of the other British teams in the mix, has decided to pull out. And Manchester United announced that their you know, executive VP, will be, who, is, who is kind of one of the architects of this deal, is going to be leaving um, the team at the end of the season. So, you know, I think, you know, the response to this program or this proposal for the Super League has been pretty negative from fans, from other teams in the leagues, and even from politicians, right? So Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of the UK, you know, saying that they're looking at legislative options to block this. So it's, it's a real test of who has the power. FIFA announced that they might penalize the teams that go into the Super League and tell them that their players would not be allowed to compete in the World Cup for their respective countries. So some real threats. Who knows if they're idle or not, but at least it got the attention of Manchester City. And if some of the teams are pulling out already before this thing gets off the ground, um, it's a story to watch. It's got all the kind of you know tra- trappings of, a, of international intrigue, drama, money, um, <laughs> all sorts of dimensions. It's a fascinating story. Justin Engel joining us on the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. It is the business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. Talking European League soccer and the p- potential uh, reshuffling of what's been the structure for more than a century. What are the what are the biggest uh, points that people are arguing against? I mean, wh- why do people not like this? Why why has the backlash been uh, largely uh, objecting of this move? I mean, I think a lot of it is the claim that just hey, this is the rich getting richer. Sure, right. You know, if the Yankees and Red Sox could just play all 162 games against each other and, and replicate mm-hmm. the ticket revenue and the, view, and the and the ratings, all 162 games. I mean, from an economic standpoint, that w- that's what they w- would want to do. Well, it's like it's like so, the it's like the infamous line of David Stern on the Jim Rome show, uh, probably 20 years ago now, probably early 2000s when Shaq and Kobe were still playing for the Lakers. And Stern infamously said on Jim Rome's show, Jim Rome asked him, just from a pure business and money standpoint. Commissioner, what is the ideal finals matchup to you? And he said, well, yeah. Jim, the ideal finals matchup to me would be the Los Angeles Lakers playing the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> and so that's a, you're exactly right. Red Sox, Yankees, 162 times a year. From a business standpoint, it's what you'd want. Yeah. And so these teams, you know, they, they maybe looked at it like a power grab, a money grab. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a test of... Uh, you know where the power is in, in football. I mean, I mentioned before, like there's this kind of alphabet soup of acronyms of governing bodies running the show here, and you know it seems pretty diffuse. And then you take this super league of 12 teams, 12 teams that have the best players in the world and the biggest budgets and the most fans, and it was an effort to kind of concentrate power and really kind of. You know, like I said before, make each game a blockbuster, but really kind of set the terms for how, you know, just set, set the field such in a way that they don't have to play with the little guys if they don't want to. But it seems like not only did the little guys sort of fight back, but the, the, the traditional power structures, um, the governments and uh, FIFA and some of the other players just decided, no, we're not going to let these teams leave and there's going to be consequence. And, you know, I saw images of, like, you know, protesters outside of team headquarters, you know, much like we saw during the um, 
during the you know the the uh, what was it the I can't remember the name of the protest, but the ones for on Wall Street years ago, right? Fighting the hedge fund managers or whatever it is. So I, I, you know, I think the public and the fan base was like, no, we can only take so much of the rich getting richer. Justin Engel joining us. That's a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. We don't have time to get in the streaming stuff because we do have to get out here in a second. We'll wrap back around sure. with this uh, this explosion, or I guess at least uptick in streaming of Major League Baseball games on MLB TV. Uh, it seems like the, the conversion to streaming has made it more accessible. I think there's probably fantasy baseball and gambling elements to this surge as well. But before we let you go, Justin, we've talked a lot about a lot of different things in terms of um, the financial world, and, and there was this interesting overlay between sports, social media, finance, and uh, cryptocurrency, and as well as the stock market, when we had the uh, the entire uh, phenomenon with GameStop. Well, now we have another financial phenomenon going that is sort of has a similar overlay as well in terms of uh, influencers, particularly guys that are in the sporting world, uh, maybe at least having a say in the explosion of cryptocurrencies, particularly Dogecoin. So what do you know about the Doge and uh, how, how empty or full uh, is this uh, sudden rise of this recently non-existent and now suddenly surging cryptocurrency? Yeah, I mean, Dogecoin sort of started as a joke, right? I mean, that was its, that was its sort of origin story. It started as a spoof currency, and yet now we're seeing like it's this like crazy shakeout period with cryptos. I mean, Bitcoin's been around a while. Ethereum seems to have uh, some unique attributes as, as a platform, and you know the rise of NFTs and these smart contracts uh, on the Ethereum platform or the Ethereum blockchain. That is interesting. What's happening with Dogecoin just kind of baffles me, and it feels a little bit similar to the GameStop phenomenon, you know, that there's, there's some money on the sidelines that is, that is playing in this space. And, you know, I start to think I understand it. And then I realize I, I don't understand it at all. Um, and it's such an interesting time because it's, you know, I think people are, there's a lot of money floating around in the economy. Um, for a variety of reasons, you know, the asset prices in so many classes, whether it's housing or stocks or bonds are way up. And that creates a lot of wealth for a concentrated segment of the population. And some people might think that this, this, this asset inflation over the last several years is, is unsustainable in the traditional investment areas and they're trying to diversify into others. Um, some people might just have money to play with and are, and are getting speculative in other domains. But, yeah, what's going on with cryptos is, is kind of baffling. Um, I start to try to get into it to understand it. When I say get into it, not with my own, with <laughs> my own money. I'm not, I'm not yet there. But, um, you know, once I start to get a little close to it, I, my brain starts to hurt. And that either tells me that, you know, this is kind of fake news or that there's something really smart here happening that I need to learn more about. I'm not quite sure which it is. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have a more clear view of it here uh, when we circle back around later on this month. But Justin, a pleasure as always. Tell people, uh, you are not only come on this show every other uh, Tuesday, but you also have a whole bunch of other multimedia content, particularly podcasts, to consume. So a uh, New Angle podcast, something that's been going for quite some time. What's cooking on a New Angle? 
Yeah, a new angle. Today we dropped an episode I, I quite like with legendary climber, high mountain climber Mark Sinnott. Um, he has a new book out called The Third Pole, which um, is an account of he and his colleagues attempt to find the body of Sandy Irvin, who was one of who was George Mallory's partner on the 1924 Everest expedition. So Mark climbed Everest, searched for the body, and they were trying to search for the camera to document if those two men who were never seen again actually made it to the summit. Uh, it's a riveting book. We had a great conversation. Uh, Mark's not only a great writer, but he's a great communicator uh, on the podcast forum. So I encourage people that are interested in, in outdoors, in the mountains, and mountaineering to, to check out that episode it posted today. A New Angle podcast, the Fireline podcast, Nuana's Now podcast, all of the above. Rate, review, subscribe. They're all presented by Blackfoot Communications, as is a business angle. Justin, appreciate it, man. We'll catch up with you soon. All right, Coulter. Be well. One of our favorites, Justin. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now. If you visit msubookstore.org, free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.